Welcome to Cybersecurity with Matt Chapman. I have Jackson Mummy, a very longtime friend. Looking forward to having a quick conversation with him. And this is season one, episode one. So, Jackson, thank you for joining. Wow, there's no pressure there at all, is there? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Glad to be here. So, I mean, starting out, just like we've been friends for what, like 25 years, 20 years? Yeah. Somewhere yeah, in there, I think, been, I think it's been about 25 years. You first uh, came into my life through a, a friend, mutual friend. I was looking, uh, moving to this new community that Walt Disney Corporation had built called Celebration, Florida, mm -hmm. right outside of uh, the Magic Kingdom. And we had a business preparing law students to take their bar examinations. And historically, that business had always been done in person. You went to a hotel room and you lectured for seven weeks and it was brutal. It was a very difficult way to do it. And my wife, Sarah, who is really the brains behind our operation and Matt will attest to this. Um, Sarah said, you know, I'm really, I'm sick of you being on the road. Why don't we find a way to do this as home study? And I said, home study. I don't know what that means. She said, well, we'll do audio cassettes and we'll print out books. Actually, we didn't print them. We photocopied them, which was quite an experience. And, um, and we'll send them out to people. So we did that for a few years. And then we were making this move to this new high-tech community of Celebration Florida. And a friend of ours who was in uh, IT for Disney, uh, I went to him and I said, look, I, I think we could do something really interesting here. Maybe we could put some of our uh, materials and sell on this thing that they're calling the internet. And he laughed at me and he said, I only know one guy in, in the community who's even beginning to work with that. His name is Matt Chapman. So as you recall, I contacted you and I said, um, well, we're, we're moving to a house. We're putting a, a office in our garage apartment. And we've heard that there's this thing called the internet and you need something called a T1. Yeah, because it, yeah, at the time, um, you know, coming from that background that I had in ISPs and, and so forth, um, you know, I was doing network work all the time. And one of the things that was interesting for the conversation was I'd done some T1s for businesses by then. But most most people, even in the businesses that were SMB, right, were doing like ISDN lines, right? So when that was like, you're like, that's not enough. I'm like, oh, okay, so you want a, a T1, this should be fun. So I reached out to a contact I had, which would remain nameless, to get uh, the um, the setup for you guys, which was the same contact I was using for some of the places I was handling already. And he's like, you want to run a T1 to the house? And I'm like, yes. He goes, well, we have access to the street. If that's okay, then it's you know it's not going to be cheap. And then the, the other part of that was looking at your house and going, okay, this place you're building up above the garage is going to be like business slash entertainment room. And uh, I just remember it like, like snowballing from, okay, so we want to do this. And then you're like, I also want to do a nice gaming slash theater slash. And I'm like, I have a guy for that. So it was just this continuing. Yeah. It, it grew. It snowballed, right? <laughs> and we actually installed with your help, the first T1 in celebration. And the right. first one literally for a residence uh, in the Metro Orlando area. And I remember it looked like a Muppet movie. There were six guys standing around a hole in the backyard, staring at it for a couple of hours. And my wife went out and she said, what are you guys doing? And they said, well, we've never actually seen one of these lines here before. And we're trying to figure out how we get it from here to your house, which was the first time I heard the words, the last mile. Right. And it became a, a really big issue. And you helped solve that problem. And we, we actually ran conduit all over the place. It was a, it was a wild, wild setup, but we made it work. 
Yeah, because we ran fiber, if I remember correctly, from the first floor through conduit. So the connection was to your uh, laundry room. And then we ran conduit with fiber optic in it from there to the upstairs where we gave you a Dell server, which was how we were going to transpose the business into the website would be local. You wouldn't have to do any of that stuff. And I remember sitting with you in the living room, though, you and your kids, which are now, you know, Megan's a big part of the business now. Yeah. And it was it's which is funny when I when I see you guys do a podcast together now, I'm like, wow, I, I remember when she was like tiny, you know, yeah. makes me yeah. makes the gray make more sense now. Um <laughs> yeah, my daughter Megan is actually my podcast the co-host on our podcast called the uh, extra mile for bar exam takers. So yeah, so we've come a long way from there, right? But we knew back then, Matt, that we had a greater need for data and securing the data than most people because it was proprietary it was all we had thousands of hours of lectures these were all audio lectures at that time today obviously it's video it's a lot mm -hmm. more things but we knew that given the scope of what we were doing we were teaching in 45 states we just couldn't sit on somebody else's server there wasn't virtual servers there i mean you had to literally have a box somewhere and so we said well look get our own box right and um little did we know how complicated that would be but it became really a, an important piece of what we did and then if i jump ahead just a few years we uh we were here in celebration we decided to build a second home in a community called water oh, i almost forgot about that that was yeah. a drive yeah yeah up to seaside florida <laughs> and we decided that we were going to put our offices we we uh uh, purchased a separate building for our offices up in Seaside on the Florida Panhandle, and we had to move the box. I mean, this is this is how crazy that's. I mean, we're going back into the old days now, more than 20 years ago, yeah. and we had to physically move the box from Celebration to Seaside. Right. And so, Matt, you came uh, one night, uh, late at night, picked up the box here, drove all night to Seaside, installed the box up there. Again, the same thing, running the T1 and all of that. Got it installed and drove back. And I was, I was like, what? And I said, how long have you gone without sleep? And you said, well, it's only like 32 hours or something. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I do yeah. remember that because that was before we co-located, right? So yeah. after, and that, and that was a beautiful facility, by the way. Well, um, it was great. very different. I was like, where is this place? I kept turning going like, I don't know where I'm at. This is, <laughs> there was no, you know, Google Maps on your phone at the time. So it was just trying to. Yeah. It's out in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was pretty crazy. But but we were building and growing and expanding, and we knew that we needed to have this continuing capacity to grow. Um, but as we're growing, we're also beginning to fight this challenge of um, intellectual property protection, mm -hmm. right? This becomes a fairly big issue for us because it's a uh, we're in an industry with a high a barrier to entry. Well, it was a and, big it was a big conversation in the very beginning too, right? Because I remember sitting in the in your sure. living room and you're yeah. like, "Here's what we have." This is even before the house got the T1. He's like, "Here's what we have." And you showed me the books. Right. right? And you showed me the cassettes that went out to students and I was like, "Okay." And your your thing was like, "I'm going to con I'm converting the cassettes to MP3s." Yeah. How do we how do we make it to where they're not as copyable? Because the premise was Old school was harder harder to copy. New school was going to be very easy to copy going forward and just distribute everywhere. Yeah. And that was a, a big worry. It was a huge worry. And so when Apple came along with something called an iPod, you remember iPods? Yeah. <laughs> we were the first company. We were the first company to go out with the audio cassettes in our industry. Then we were the first uh, to go to, it was long before MP3s, 
but we created those files and we put them on iPods and we purchased the iPods, loaded them up with all of our lectures, sent the iPods out to students and they were numbered and registered and then they had to return the iPods to us. And the beauty of the iPod back then was that you couldn't easily take files off of the iPod and put it on your computer. And remember, people didn't have the kind of storage capacity to put literally, you know, gigabytes of data back then right. onto their own computer. So we were able to control the use of our lectures by those iPods. And as Apple kept coming up with more iterations of the iPod, we'd upgrade and upgrade and upgrade. But I was literally getting 40 or 50 iPods a day delivered from Apple to our office up at Seaside, right? Because there's no Apple store within, you know, a thousand miles of us probably. And um, it, it really became a big business for us. We had a person full-time who did nothing but load iPods, check them in, check them out, send them back out. So we're still, you know, so we're trying to protect our data this way, right? And now we're getting rid of uh, thousands and thousands of audio cassettes. I mean, we had tape duplicators, you remember, everywhere. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And that was crazy. And then we had taken our books and put them into digital form. But now what we were doing is we were literally printing the books using Xerox printers, high-speed printers, three-hole punch paper, putting them in binders, putting a label on it, assembling the books, putting the iPod in the package with it, and shipping it out. So we had this whole shipping uh, department and, and uh, compliance department, but it was all built around the idea that we didn't want our material out in the wild. So you had to return everything back to us after your bar exam. And that went on for many years uh, through many iterations, up until I think about the point that Apple introduced its first iPad. Mm -hmm. Remember that at that point, and, you know and that. then we decided to take and go to the iPad, but now to take our digital files and put them on the iPad. And everyone was like, oh, man, that's crazy. I mean, you just can't do that. We said, well, no, we'll send out the iPad. And now we're controlling our product because now it's on the iPad and we've got the code to the iPad. The, the student didn't have the ability to unlock the iPad. Um, so we had all of our books in PDF. We had all of our files still as audio files, because again, it would have been way too much data for those first iPads uh, right. to hear video. Yeah. And we're sending out just the iPads. So now we've eliminated the book printing and the cassette printing. And so now we're just in the iPad business. And now every day I'm getting, you know, 20, 30, 40 iPads delivered to me and we have to load them up and get them out the door. So this was always a major concern of ours to, to continue to control the data and you were, working with us and helping us figure out how to do it. And we were talking to the people at Apple corporately and they were fascinated. They just, yeah. they couldn't get over the fact that we were doing all this on an iPad. And so they, they flew some people out from uh, California and they met with me and they were like, holy crap, what are you doing here? I mean, well, you yeah, know, we were on the radar because you were getting so many shipments, you know, you were, you were yeah. getting more shipments than a regular store would nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. And so it, it was pretty crazy at that point. But we also knew that this was not a long-term solution, right? You just can't keep handing, you have to be, hardware has got limitations, I think, no matter what you're doing. And so we began to, to noodle around and you came to me and said, I think we're ready to make the jump to putting your course into uh, the internet itself as a, a virtual setup. And I didn't really understand the specifics, but you, you kept talking about these imaginary boxes, uh, these virtual boxes that were out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. So the rest of you better afraid. Yeah, sure. Really? Oh, the guy's really sophisticated. Um, but, but I didn't understand it, but I trusted you. After all those years, I just knew that you were going to have a solution, and you did. And, and maybe you want to talk about that solution. Well, I mean, we went through 
WordPress, right? Originally, when we were in the, when it was running off of the server in the house, it was uh, IIS, uh, probably like four or five back then from Microsoft. And it, um, you know, it had a streaming server behind it, but it had to be RTSP and it was a real pain in the butt to manage. And the, the, the it was over the T1. So when we finally got past the days of, I would say we stepped first into when we actually built a server of our own and I put it in a um, co-location facility in Kissimmee, which is still around and a very good one. And we ironically ran it on an Apple X server. And for those of you that are too young to know what that is, Apple doesn't make them anymore, but they were nice servers, um, <clears throat> very reliable and um, very fast. But we used the QuickTime streaming service for a while to take those files and stream them that way. So in that in that sense it was a little harder for people to copy the information because it was streamed only right yeah that's and right. people were getting used to that at the time because that's when apple was streaming their keynotes and starting to at least so you could see some of that information and you could see the if you had QuickTime, you were already using it so a lot of those things were in place but the eventual iteration was the next jump which was let's not co-locate a server let's go to amazon use aws web services Stand up an EC2 instance for those of you listening at home, and then we have, you know, WordPress running with. Uh, we've we tried so many iterations of different things to handle groups. We had some uh, hacks that I did that made group memberships work, so they were in separate courses, and the, that was how we protected the stuff from there. But then you go into a different issue. You're not just protecting other people from getting to the data. Now we're responsible for the whole share responsibility model of I've got to actually protect this server. I have to protect all the plugins that are running, everything that's running as far as the, the WordPress site or whatever we were using at the time. But um, and then that jumped into let's do a CDN, CloudFront CDN. So it didn't matter where you were, if you were if you were in California but but taking the courses for Florida, the files were available on a content delivery network from Amazon to allow you to get that file more local to you in your state, even though you weren't in that state. So it was a faster experience for you. So we, we started moving towards situations where it was better overall as an experience, but also maintain the security on the back end through a combination of AWS security and the local security of the server. Yeah, and the other thing I want to add is that about this point, we started deciding that we wanted to add video. Mm -hmm. and. That meant the bandwidth went crazy. I mean, a typical course, we, we, we sell many different courses for different bar exam jurisdictions, and a typical course would have more than 150 hours of lecture, which meant 150 hours of video. And I remember the first time we went to a company and said we had that much, and they just laughed. They said, you know, this would cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars a month for us to host it. And we we're like, well, we're not doing that. And so we stayed away from it until the economies of scale had come down sufficiently that we could do it. And so when we started making that transition, uh, it meant a couple of things. One is we had to record a lot of video. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was one thing. So in the early days, we just had a cloud loop going on. I remember video. that, yeah. It was like the it, cloud loop at the beginning with some music and then you just played the audio over it. Because yeah. we didn't, you know, what else were we gonna do? But we, we started putting together the videos, but we realized there is a ton of content here. I mean, a ton of content. And now as videos, frankly, these became a whole lot more interesting to people and we were more worried about theft than we had been before because the, yeah. now there was more capacity and you could you were more tools where you could grab somebody's video and, and pull it off. And we were trying to figure out where do we put it. So we, we'd record it up to YouTube, uh, lock it off as private so that you couldn't find it and then use that YouTube code 
<laughs> and then and then put it up that way. So that was before we got it onto the server itself. That's really what we were doing is taking right. it and putting it on YouTube and, and making links there and then hoping that YouTube held up and, and could support us and do all the things that they were doing. Of course, that gets challenging because YouTube likes to then send you to cat videos and things after each one or run pre-roll and so on. So we we started experimenting some more and we now had a pretty robust uh, site and, and capacity and people, Matt had worked out the silos so a California student wasn't seeing a Florida course and so on. But we had basically MacGyvered an entire system. I mean, mm -hmm. it, we had so many weird plugins and things that we were doing that if Matt, and this is a true story, Matt was on vacation in yeah. Europe, I think. Is that where no, you were? No, I was, I was in, if it's a story I think you're going to tell, I was yeah. actually in Alaska. You were in Alaska, that's right. On a, on a cruise ship, yeah. Without internet, right? I mean, basically yeah. without internet. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. And. So one of the things you have to understand about my relationship with Matt over 25 years is that the we have one overriding phrase, which is Jackson, don't break it. And and I am one of those guys that's constantly trying to figure out something new. Bright shiny objects attract me, and we've innovated. I mean, we've done a ton of innovation at Celebration Bar Review. I mean, well, that's, first, that's one of the big reasons why, though. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah, I, me me delving into this podcast thing, you'd think I'd have done this years ago, but. <laughs> I'm delving into this a lot because, you know, I, I love podcasts for one thing, but I figured I have a lot of people I can talk to that I have relationships with over the, you know, couple, triple decades that I've been in IT. And I'm like, you know, you're doing it and you're having a good time with it. Or at least I think you are. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you're like, I, I told you I was putting my finger in the water there and you're like, well, let me show you some things we can look at that are pretty cool. So here's some, here's some services you can look at. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and so, so I like to break things. So yeah. we are right before bar exam date. Matt is in Alaska on a cruise ship and I did something and broke the entire course. I mean, just, it just went off completely and I'm panicked. Right. So I, I send a message. Matt gets his email, I don't know, like twice a day on the ship or something. He's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? And he starts trying to fix this with, I, I guess you have Wi-Fi for like 20 minutes every hour. Right, or like some right. crazy thing. And we're like, oh, my God, this is bad. We have just we have just totally. The, this thing the irony of this whole story was since I was on vacation and only had an iPad um, with yeah. Wi-Fi. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't have um, my well, this is going to make everyone laugh, but I didn't have my key for that service. And also at the same time, the problem with that is even if I had the key at the time, there weren't very many apps that you could do um, like SSH into your server, your EC2 instance to, to fix things. And I this would require me getting on the back end to fix it. So I had to go to my secret stash online to grab the key. But then I was like, how do I get this key to even work? Because, it's, you know, it's an iPad. So I found a program that allowed me to import the key, which is still around. I still have it because I use it all the time, but import the key so that I could get in. But that was the part that took me the longest. I was like, I knew once I got in, I could fix it. But I was like really worried that like, how do I get in from where I am? I even went to the computers that they had on the ship and they were like, no, it's very limited access. And I'm like, so I can check my email, but I can't SSH. And he goes, no. <laughs> so... Meanwhile, I'm sweating bullets, right? I've got thousands of students who are freaked out because they can't get in to get their course. 
we get it fixed. I mean, Matt fixes it, you know, fortunately after a few days, but that was a aha moment for me when I realized that we had made it too complicated. It was too idiosyncratic mm -hmm. and it had been done because we had been building, instead of starting from scratch, we were just repairing and replacing and fixing and adding and, and implementing. And we were still state of the art. There was there was nobody out there with a better online course experience than we were offering, but I just was convinced it wasn't good enough and it wasn't stable enough um, because there were just too many moving parts. And really, literally, when you're using best-in-class software from 10 different vendors, so there's lead pages and there's Entreport and there's uh, you know SAM card and there's this and there's this and there's this, any one of those changes their API, they change something and it all blows up and then you got a problem and then WordPress changes something and, and it got worse and worse. Right. So I was looking for another solution, which is sort of my normal mode. And I came across, uh, I'd been using an e-commerce platform called SamCard. And I really like SamCard. I mean, it simplified the entire process of how you purchased. At one point, remember we had WooCommerce built in and we did, you know, you purchased, but we have literally hundreds and hundreds of products and iterations uh, in our course. And so it just got out of control with WooCommerce. We couldn't manage it very yeah, well. And the in and the in between was we used WooCommerce for the purchase, and then we did Samcart for the purchase. But we used Wishlist member on WordPress to handle the group memberships, which that worked. But to your point again, it, the the problem you run into with WordPress is is I mean it's a good and a bad, right? Because you can have all the plugins, but sometimes those plugins don't interact. So if you've got a whole bunch of stuff running on there. Uh, then you end up with a possible issue with one breaks the other and then nothing works so right and that and that's kind of where we were and we were always in this limbo where we were a little nervous about you know what might break and, and we get these surges of business because it's a seasonal business so samcard had had been a really good solution and i migrated from woocommerce with matt's help and we started creating uh, all of these platforms or, or carts in samcart and then to my utter surprise, um, about, I don't know, seven or eight months ago, uh, Brian and Scott Moran, the guys that own Samcart, said, we're going to do something really crazy. We're going to create a course platform and it's going to be able, you can put video and audio and PDF and, and just do all these great things. And here's the amazing part. We're not going to charge you extra for that platform. And my jaw just dropped. I mean, literally, because up until that point, every course platform, whether it was Kajabi or Thinkrific or, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, just many, there are many of them. Right. They were all incredibly expensive, particularly when you had the amount of video and content that we had. So Samcart comes along with this and I just went crazy. And we started working and started creating uh, the course. And actually, can I share a screen? Could, could we do that? And yeah, sure. Right and, and I'll... I want to just show you. Even plug the website, which you haven't done yet. Okay. Yeah, but I, I'll. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> this is like you know, who knew, right? Um, okay. So let me go back here to where we are. All right. I'm going to try and share this. Let's see. And uh, I'm going to do. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go here. You're going to want to edit this part out while I try and figure out what page I want to be on, but. Think where I want to be is yeah. So what we did was to create a uh, a course platform 
that allowed our students to see everything all at once. All the videos are embedded. We could put in links and, and buttons for people to order things. Uh, we had all of our downloads right here and all they had to do was go from one lesson to the next lesson to the next. And it was an amazing opportunity uh, to just let our, our students uh, get in and see what they were doing. And it suddenly just changed the, the look of what we were doing and the way our students could uh, access this. But the beauty part was we then went to Vimeo, as you see, for our videos instead of YouTube, and we made them private videos so that they couldn't download them from there. But everything was here. And that was a huge, huge opportunity for us to uh, change the way that our course was delivered to students so easy. They just went next lesson, next lesson, next lesson, and they could go through and you can see there's just a ton of material and this is just for one state. So this is how we, we did all of this and uh, uh, pretty excited about it, literally. Uh, great way to be able to, to offer the work. So uh, that, was, that was what we did. And you're still using, you're still using stuff like, um, well, you were using Facebook groups and things like that, but yeah, you, have, like, you that. have several, like, um, I'll say platforms to pull in customers and also to keep current customers kind of motivated and going forward. I, I love seeing the little advertisements with, um, quotes like uh encouraging quotes because passing the bar is no easy task so you know and we're focused primarily on repeat partakers so we're really talking to the the people who are most uh, at risk so we do that on facebook we do google search of course but we also try to make our our um our course website really just look that way as well and, and if i can share that screen mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just show you what that looks like uh, matt actually designed this uh page for us and um it's been through a lot of iterations, but oh, um, yeah, um, but here is, it's just a real simple page. Um, we're talking about bar prep for repeaters. Sorry, I'm scrolling down too fast here. Okay. Um, and we've got all of our links right here. So it's really easy uh, for uh, people to get in, find out there's just a video in there and a get in touch. And then, um, you know, a simple uh, start. That's my daughter there. Uh, she's our lead mentor after 10 years. That's one that was, Matt was talking about, sat in our lap back in the days. Um, and we've got testimonials and it's all right there. And then if a student wants to uh, get information about the course, uh, we've got some interactive videos that we've created to help them do that. Um, and so it's, it's all built right in uh, to the course. So that's a nice way to be able to uh, get people in, get them the information they need, see the testimonials from the students that um, they are interested in. We also do a podcast, as I said, and we have webinars. So there's lots of ways that people can get information from us. And then they can go right in um, in, the, in the way that the site was designed and they can um, jump in and order their course and, and be with us uh, pretty, pretty easily. So it's a, it's a pretty simple uh, approach, but we find that it uh, it works well. So, celebrationbarreview.com. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we we've tried to innovate in the way that we do tech because we think that being uh, for a non-traditional student, which is who we talk to, they need to be able to study at two in the morning. They need to have instant access to materials. They need to get at the materials that they need when they need them, 
and they also need to know that there's enough of a human touch behind it. And I think that's really what we've tried to be move, moving towards over all these years. And every iteration that we've done has been getting us closer to that ideal. Um, we do video coaching, so we're, we're doing Zoom calls with students. They register and set them up uh, you know, when they're, they're talking to us. Um, and then we record them and give them back to them. Uh, so there's, there's just a ton of, of options open for our students, and that's the approach that we've taken. So we couldn't have done it without you, Matt. Uh, we can't do it that. each day without you. Um, I'm, I'm proud of what we've accomplished and what we continue to do and innovate in the way we help our students, but the technology is really the backbone of everything. I also found it very interesting early on that it wasn't always just the course content it was also your personal touches that you had with the actual mentoring calls. That was very a big big differentiator for you compared to competitors. And also you did other things that were kind of like not just what's going to be on the test to look for or how to write for the exam. I should just go take mine. But it's like you also did things that were very mentoring like, you know, where it's like this is like photo reading and things like that, like how to read better, how to understand what you're reading faster. Uh, yeah. Those things were uh, huge differentiators for you early on. I mean, it's funny, you know, I, I look at my kids now and they're like, well, can I get on tic TikTok and can I do this and I want to do this and I want to be a content creator. And I'm like, you know, it's it's funny that you make fun of me as being the old man in the house. But like we've been content creators for a couple of decades, way, way really? before things. So we even before that. there was a Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things for your audience to understand is that the relationship that you and I have had over these 25 years has been co as collaborators. It is rarely, um, uh, you know, it is not a, a customer and a vendor. It's never been that. Um, as often as not, Matt has come to me and said, I've seen something uh, like Riverside in this yeah. podcast, and I love yeah. it, and, you know, look at it, or check this out, or look at this, or think about this. And Matt has often been the person moving me to the next level in something. And then when I find something, I say, look, I, I came across this thing. How are we going to make this work? And Matt got involved with our Sam Cart uh, courses and, and, you know, helped Sam Cart, frankly, because they didn't know some of the things that we were doing. And when you've got that collaborative relationship, when you trust the person that's doing IT, not just in the narrow silo of IT, but in the broader context of what you're doing as a business, it's a huge difference. I, I've said many times, Matt could take the bar exam today and pass. No question in my mind. He, he knows enough law. He's, he's been around this thing. Well, I mean, Kim, Kim Kardashian, I think, just passed the baby bar, right? She did using our materials. So it's, it's <laughs> yeah, really. So it's, it's, it's amazing what can be done, right? But I think that when you have this collaborative relationship, what happens is that it, it really has a exponential effect. Our business has grown enormously over 25 years. It's grown because we had an idea. We could never have executed that idea. And even if we could, we would have still been stuck back a long way without Matt's involvement and cooperation and guidance. And so I, I would say to anyone that's listening or watching, if you're on my side of the table as a, uh, a, a customer, you really need to rethink your relationship to IT and to your vendors. It's more than just uh, digits and uh, security and plugins. It's really 
getting those individuals to understand your core values and your philosophy and what you're trying to accomplish. Because frankly, there's way too much out there for anybody to see or understand or figure mm -hmm. out these days. And the more eyes you have looking at it and on it, the better off I think you're going to be. And that has proven to be the, um, I think, one of the real keys to our success at Celebration Bar Review. So thank you for that, Matt. I, I well, appreciate thank you for that. Saying that. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. It took up a yeah. uh, half an hour of your day today. And uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm not plugging Riverside. I don't have any advertisers yet, intent. But I do, um, it's first episode. <laughs> but the, this platform seems really nice, really smooth, and the layout is really great. So this has been quite easy just to get going from. So, yeah. Well, good luck with your podcast. We're up to episode 385 of The Extra Mile. Uh, you can find us on Amazon, Apple, Spotify, uh, you know, everybody. Um, and we love doing the podcasts. I mean, they, you know, it, it's an incredible opportunity to speak to people. Um, both in video and audio. And so um, I'm confident that you'll have a huge audience very quickly, Matt. You'll surpass our audience to be sure. Uh, we're a little bit, little bit niche, you know, uh, but, <laughs> you know, uh, I think it's, it's, a great, it's a great tool, a great resource. And so excited to be here and, and proud to be a part of your uh, launch of this new uh, cybersecurity podcast. I appreciate it so much, Jackson. Thank you for joining me today. All and right. uh, we'll talk later. Thanks, Matt. All right.